Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to a change in attitude here. I am, of course, the Texas gentleman Tanner Pruitt, and joined with me, uh, my good friends, Ori and Mags. Ori and Mags, how are y'all doing today? Hello, I am good. I am hoping this thunder and lightning outside my window calms down so we don't have any more of that uh, through the recording, but if you do, you know why. <laughs> Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> I'm good, Tanner. <laughs> yeah, I was good. I was right on the keys here, my imaginary <laughs> keyboard here at the table. Uh, no, I'm always down for some special effects. Uh, you know, with the thunder and the lightning, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> Mags, how are you doing over in jolly old England? Yeah, I'm really good. Just uh, had the pleasure of uh, of chatting with Spencer on Love Wrestling, and now uh, glad to be uh, to be reviewing Monday Night Raw. Well, good deal. I'm I'm ready to review. I know you guys are ready to review. Uh, so so let's get into this thing. Uh, last time uh, we spoke, uh, we were talking about King of the Ring 1996. Stone Cold Steve Austin won the King of the Ring that year. He, of course, cut the infamous Austin 316 promo. Uh, we also had a, um, a match uh, that was spectacular, in my opinion. Uh, British Bulldog uh, challenging Shawn Michaels for the championship uh, unsuccessfully. But still, we got a very good match out, uh, out of it. It. And um, I, I may have also, I may have also caused a little bit of controversy. I, um, no. I, I, I said that I slept during the um, during the Undertaker and Mankind match, mm-hmm. and um, the gravity of that is not lost on me. Um, so I want to, I want to take a moment to apologize. Um, to absolutely nobody. I'm not going <laughs> to apologize for falling asleep during that match because it was boring. Uh, so, and that's why so I have can... the thunder and lightning outside my house. Undertaker <laughs> is He's on my side. He's with me. Screw you, Tanner. Tanner pulling a Conor McGregor. Wow. 
I felt it was only appropriate. Uh, so if you want to send me hate mail, you can go ahead and at me on Twitter at Connor McCabe, spelled with a K. Um, and you can uh, you can just drop me your hate mail right there. Speaking of Connor McGregor, no, don't don't at Connor McCabe. I promise it's not a good situation. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> um, don't 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 at Connor. Uh, he's a good guy. He, he if you at him, get... leave us out of it. I don't want yeah, to die. Don't, don't... Yeah, don't get him involved in this. It's, there's no reason. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> so, Monday Night Raw, June, June 24th, 1996. Um, we are live, once again, from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of cheese heads in the arena. Uh, tell me, guys, this really kind of old school Raw from nearly, oh, goodness, 25 years ago um, yes. started with Ahmed Johnson in a one-on-one contest against a uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, Ahmed Johnson uh, uh, ended up winning the match uh, with the uh, sit out power bomb, the Pearl river plunge. Uh, I've got some notes here about Vince McMahon being very excited about Ahmed Johnson. Uh, mostly because he's a, he's a very large man. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also got preview segments for the show that I thought was uh, very interesting. Um, normally with the modern Raws, we do tend to kind of just get like, uh, hey, you know, here's the opening segment. And then you get like other stuff afterwards. <laughs> um, so so this was a little bit of a, a, of a culture shock here. Um, Ori, because this is all, I, I take it that this is the first time that you've seen this episode of Raw, correct? That would be correct. So, so talk to me about the vibe. What are you feeling with this opening segment here? So let me just throw this out here because I had to go through Peacock and search raw and start scrolling back and looking at the years and the seasons. So if you are yeah. going back to look, watch this and follow along with us, this is going to be season four, episode 25. That's where we are just making it a little bit easier for everybody else. Now, in regards to the show, I, too, was shocked to see a one-hour show because I'm not used to seeing any WWF or WWE product that isn't at least two hours long. And for me, watching through the whole thing, even though it's edited and there's no station commercials, I'll put it that way, because there were other commercials like WWE does and produces nowadays, which... To some degree, I was surprised to see, and to some degree, I wasn't. Vince trying to get in on that, you know, promotional money early. But it still felt like a two-hour Raw in some Mm. respects. Like, I got to the end of it. I was like, 49 minutes? Like, have Mm. I really only been here for 49? I mean, for Pete's sake, (laughs) Ahmed Johnson and Triple H, excuse me, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, it felt long. It felt like the match that would never end. It was 12 minutes long. It was the first 12 minutes of the entire show. <laughs> like, we never get 12-minute matches at the top of the show anymore. I can't remember. Now, that being said, let me just put a giant disclaimer on that. I haven't really watched anything WWE probably in the last two years, close to. But we don't get 12-minute matches, or it's so rare especially the night after a pay-per-view. So it was very weird to see. And like my other note from this match was 
Helmsley looks small. I mean, granted, this was pre the whole steroid debacle and, and whatnot. Pre, pre the game. Pre pre game. Yeah, yeah pre everything. <laughs> and like, and I've seen I've seen him live. I've seen him at a house show here in Baton Rouge, and he rather is, large man. He's a, he's, he's a very big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty big dude, but like, he legit looked small to me. And then, of course, we had this whole thing mid-match with Goldust and Marlena. Like, and I still don't get her freaking purpose. She's supposed to stand there in a gold dress looking intimidating, smoking a cigar. She never says anything. Like, I just, I don't get her whole, I, I don't get the reasoning. Is it, is she just there to be another pretty face because... Hmm. Like she has something over Vince or Vince has something over her or <laughs> what the heck is going on here? You know, I don't hey, know. I mean, you're, you're raising a lot of very valid points and I'm going to throw it to Mags to, to help try and um, maybe, I don't know, further plunge into these, these points that you raise and these concerns because um, this, this did, um, while it was like a great nostalgic moment and being like, oh, that's cool, where they're 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 giving you all the previews um, right at the top of the uh, of the show and they're telling you exactly what's going to happen segment by segment, um, it did felt a bit like a cluster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like a. I think already hit the nail on the head. There was um, two hours worth of content crammed into an hour. Um, and it was interesting for me, this this uh, match, we, we get Triple H, who is now the almost the second in command of the whole company, and he's getting the jobber's entrance. He's already in the ring when the show starts. Um, obviously, this is this is still kind of a, his punishment from the whole uh, curtain call uh, stuff that happened uh, a, a few weeks previous. Obviously, we spoke about last week how he uh, he was pegged to win that King of the Ring, but uh, as part of the punishment, uh, he he he, had, he was had it delayed a year, and I think that losing this match was also kind of like his way of of clawing himself back into Vince's uh, good books. But it, for me, the show. It just felt dingy. Like mm. the 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 crowd wasn't lit. Um, uh, the the camera angles didn't have the production that we have nowadays. It felt mm. it almost felt like an indie show, like when you watch a, a fat TV style indie show. Uh, but obviously, with with big name wrestlers, uh, mm. uh, WWF superstars. Uh, but yeah, I already uh, hit the nail on head. This match felt so long, and the fact that it took up a quarter of the whole kind of runtime, um, and it, I, th- I think it was to uh, show that Armie Johnson was going to be a fighting champion, but also kind of make Triple H. Uh, instead of being buried as the first person who f- who faced the new champion, he got a lot of his own action in. He got a lot of his own moves in, so he he would look like a a potential future uh, contender for that title. And we know that that uh, that eventually does end up happening. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed very very long. Then we get the picture in picture, which which uh, which Ori mentioned of Goldust and Marlena and. Looking back into uh, Marlena's past, she's actually was Dustin's wife. Yes, um, and she actually got her start in wrestling. She was a makeup artist in WCW, 
uh, and then she was asked if she wanted to be a, a, a basically an extra on the show, and that built to her being, uh, I think it was Alexandra York, and she had the the York Foundation, which was like a little stable of, of wrestlers. Uh, I think um, uh, Matt Rotunda was part of that group uh, when he was a, a VK Wall Street or whatever it was called. Uh, so when Goldust came over to the, the WBF, with, with her being married to him, she followed off, and it was kind of like jobs for the boys almost. Uh, they were he was related, so can you find somewhere for my wife to be involved? And and it ended up being that. Uh, but I did like the the kind of tease from from Goldust that he was moving on from this intercontinental title match into the to the Undertaker one, uh, who we'd had who we'd had issues with before. I thought that was a cool uh, little kind of like push to the next storyline, which we'd see later on in the show. And uh, I also enjoyed the uh, the uh, the bit where um, Ahmed Johnson was able to to talk to the fans for a little bit. He, he called Doc Hendricks Mark, which uh, yeah, a little bit uh, peeking behind the curtain there. Uh, but the way he was saying he was the first African American champion, and then I'm not bothered about that. I'm, I'm more bothered about being like the the people's champion. Uh, I wonder if that's uh, inspiration where we get that. Uh, a little later on down the line from a, a certain bigger star wrestler. But, yeah, the the match just felt plodding to me. Um, it, was a, I, I could've, it could have shaved five minutes off for me and it would have it felt like a much better match. I agree. I, I think it was a good match overall and it was a great promo, but it just – they both came out looking really good, but it was just way too friggin' long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with anything either of y'all have said about the, the match itself. Um, I will uh, initiate a little bit of a a little bit of a game, a little bit of a fun segment here as we go along through the episode. Uh, Monday night highlights. Yes, we will each take a turn naming our favorite part of each segment here. Uh, with this match here being the opening contest, Ahmed Johnson facing Hunter Hearst Helmsley. What was your favorite part of the match, Ori? Um. <laughs> Wow, on the spot. <laughs> oh god. Um Holy crap. I, I don't You can say it, that you don't have a favorite. I, I, mean, I that's really acceptable. I was glad when it was finally over. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, like I thought it before Mag said it. Like, can my favorite part be when it was finally can, can, over? Can this thing be can this thing be done? <laughs> Right, like it was just way too. It was way too long. Way too long. Good deal. Good deal. I I I can fully accept that this match was very very long. Uh, One could argue unnecessarily long. Um, Mags, your Monday night highlight. Yeah, uh, I've got to agree with with Ori that there's not a lot that stands out as uh, something that I would say is a favourite. One little kind of nuance I did pick up on, uh, and I suppose I can put it forward as my favourite was. Ahmed held the tile upside down every single time he, he lifted it up in the air, and it really, really annoyed me. And I don't know why. I think it maybe it's because that's my favourite wrestling belt ever. Uh, mm. I have a lot of love for the Intercontinental Belt. Not so much on that gold strap, which in in uh, in uh, like. 1080p looks like it was hand sprayed with a, a can of a car aerosol paint. Um, but yeah, it was annoying that he kept holding it 
upside down. So that'll be my highlight, low light of the of the segment. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll switch it up. It doesn't. Uh, so for Monday night highlights, we'll we'll say. Um, it doesn't have to be your favorite segment. Maybe most notable seg, most notable part of the segment. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's say. There that. we go. There yeah, we I go. think that's that's the end was the most notable part of the segment. Yes. The belt being hung upside down, most notable part of the segment. Um, mine, uh, my Monday night highlight for this particular segment here uh, was uh, Vince McMahon shouting "What a maneuver!" Oh, uh, that was brilliant. And it, it was only a baseball slide. It was, as it well. was a baseball slide. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Yes. What a high spot that was. The baseball That's a slide. Good show. That is a good show. <laughs> but I mean, Vince always has this way of making something out of nothing. And I think that's kind of the whole gist of the WWE in its form. He made something out of nothing. And, I, you know, you can't. Love him or hate him, you know, as a person, as a character, whatever. Like, you got to give him his props. He made something out of nothing and made it freaking work. Yeah. Give the devil his due. I got excited about that baseball slide. I don't know if anybody else did, but. <laughs> I don't even hey, remember it. <laughs> it was it, it was a maneuver. That is for sure. <laughs> <That's really impressive. laughs> Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Um, let's see here. Next segment, we got Sonny joining Vince and King at ringside for the Body Donnas versus the Brooklyn Brawler and uh, Jerry Fox. I don't remember Jerry Fox at all. Nope. I, oh, I, that is how dare you forget Jerry Fox? <laughs> I I can I can only uh, like like audibly imagine fifty thousand football foot real football fans chanting who are you at, at at jerry fox <laughs> um this match happened it was fine i was uh i was more impressed by sunny on commentary if i'm being perfectly honest with you guys um we'll, we'll go in reverse this time mags what did you think of the match yeah uh it was what less than four minutes uh, long it was all to to further the storyline between Sonny uh, and the body donors and the smoking guns um, Sonny is so charismatic and uh, she revealed something in in uh, uh, commentary that I didn't actually know she was only 23 years old mm. that is mental that she was she had such a, a 
man for for promoting herself and a great man for uh, being this huge star in 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 wrestling at such a young age. Um, we got uh, Cloudy again, uh, the the sunny um, kind of a parody, and we. Um, we mentioned on last week's episode that nobody really knew who this person was. So I actually went and tried to find out. And it was actually a wrestler called, um, let me find his name. I think it's something like uh, it, it, Johnny it's, Shoulders. Yeah, it's like Shoulders something, something or other. Handsome Jimmy Shoulders. There you go. And he was actually a friend of Chris Candido. Uh, obviously, Chris Candino uh, in real life was uh, was uh, the 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 partner of of uh, Sonny, um, and when she was get, being moved away from him, um, he brought uh, WBF brought his friend in just to keep him happy, I suppose, because he he wasn't happy about Sonny being moved on. But the fact is, she was the star of the show uh, as much as uh, as good of a wrestler Chris was. Um, she was the moneymaker. So uh, Jimmy was brought in to kind of placate uh, Chris and keep him happy. Um, but, yeah, that this match happened. The two jobbers get a whooping. Uh, and, yeah, I suppose, I mean, the the, the super can run look cool. Uh, but this he was all about do. the sunny versus cloudy kind of uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very well said, Mags. I'll, I'll kick it over to Ori now. Uh, Ori, um, thoughts on the match? Um, and, and I'll give you a little bit of a bonus here. Uh, last week we talked a little bit about, um, maybe Cloudy being a somewhat problematic character, maybe. Um, obviously that gimmick continues here because it's only, it's only 24 hours after, uh, the last show that we reviewed. Um, believe it or not. Um, so... Yeah. I mean, are we still feeling that way about about Cloudy here, or is there any comedic relief here? Because she she did chase off Sunny at the very end. He, she, Sunny, Cloudy. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I get the comedic aspect of it. Just yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it in particular. I agree with Mags that Sunny is completely dynamic. Um, in commentary, um, I think she did you know, her job and did it impeccably. Mm. Uh, the thing that got me at the very beginning as the body Donnas are coming out is that I swore I saw empty seats. Mm. And that struck me as interesting because facing, you know, showing any camera with empty seats, you know, the E would never allow it. And then part of it was also, I kept thinking I was seeing empty seats when in reality, what I was seeing was the stairs, and how wide and how white they were. And so I think in one section I did see some empty seats, you know, near the the entrance area. But I think for the most part what I was seeing initially and thinking was empty seats. What were those stairs? Because they stuck out like a sore th- I don't know why stuff like that sticks out to me. Mm. Maybe just knowing now that we've had the curtain pulled back, so to speak, with the internet and different things and hearing stories of, you know, the E upgrading people's seats, you know, early mm-hmm. in the show, you know, during dark matches so that there would not be empty seats on camera. Mm-hmm. I, I guess some of that just kind of sticks with me like, 
Vince let empty seats happen? How dare he? (laughs) Like it just kind of it just kind of threw me off. I mean, it was it was a decent match, you know, in and of itself. It was okay. It was about 10 minutes, give or take Mm -hmm. that there was nothing really special about it to me other than Sonny's commentating. And then and I agree it was to further the whole body Donna's um, Sonny storyline and to have, you know, cloudy chase her out so mm. God, they could have come up with a better name for it for him her <laughs> them cloudy. i'm trying not to come off sounding transphobic because i'm really not but i get that it's a gag and it's just oh it's messing with my head i don't yeah, like it i i completely understand i completely understand um cloudy is cloudy i mean what else can we everything say everything and be like listen i have transphobic people that i have not transphobic people but trans people that i know and absolutely love like i don't mm. understand it it's not part of me but i respect that but mm-hmm. trying to trying to describe this in a way that doesn't sound transphobic because of a mm-hmm. gag that they're doing i think this is another thing that you know kind of like the like i said last episode about the Austin 316 would never mm-hmm. work because of the bible thumpers nowadays mm-hmm. this specific thing would likely never work this whole cross dressing to make a sunny a cl- sunny a cloudy and all this stuff it would never work in today's day and age it yeah. would Oh God! It would be plastered. I I would agree with you here, e- even more so actually than I would about the Austin three sixteen thing. I I don't think, I mean we we did see um <laughs> we did see Santina Morella win a a women's Royal Rumble not too long ago. But again, I think this is one of those things that would certainly not fly. But in um, the same very token, well today. as far as Santino, we knew it was Santino. There was right. no trying to, oh, this is just a buff woman that we're spoofing with Sonny. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, and everybody knows that it's not really a buff woman. It's a dude in drag. Right. But like we got that it was Santino trying to make yeah. some type of mark on yeah. the WWE because he was we, unable to do it anywhere else, you know, and just trying to find a place. We all knew. Right. You know, we, and we, we had no idea who Jimmy Shoulders even was. We just knew Cloudy at this point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ori. I'll, it's okay. I'll, I'll give you a better a better one here. Uh, in the next segment, um, we have uh, Vader, Owen Hart, and Davy Boy Smith taking on us. Uh, uh, I think I have this right here. Savio Vega. If you don't, uh, I do. Aldo Montoya and Barry Horowitz. Uh, we had Jim Cornette on commentary. He was talking about how uh, um, uh, good of a uh, stable he had put together there with uh, with the three men in the ring. Um, Vince tells us at the next pay-per-view international incident that uh, it will be main evented with um, Hart, Vader, and Smith facing Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and the Ultimate Warrior. Um, Owen Hart does get the submission victory here with the sharpshooter. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm going to throw this to you here, Ori, um, because again, this is kind of a... Um, uh, one of those really interesting differences between modern wrestling and the wrestling that we see of this time here in 1996. Um, Owen Hart applies the sharpshooter and Montoya just starts tapping out like, like, yeah, 
like not, like just maybe a few seconds after applying the submission, uh, Savio Vega and and Barry Horowitz are just left stranded on the apron. Did this shock you that they didn't even attempt to come in and break it up? A little bit, a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Like I guess I'm, and, and it could be I guess in some ways, um, just the because I don't. All right, I'm going to throw this out there. Do with it what you will. I've gotten so used to watching AEW and seeing Mm. these fully formed tag teams and people who have respect or even um, agreeable disrespect with one another that we're not going to lose no matter what. I don't care if I hate your guts. You know, so I don't know what type of cohesion there would have been for a backstory between Horowitz, Savio Vega, and Aldo Montoya. So it kind of, to some degree, for me, seemed like a hodgepodge team of jobbers that they just threw together to make Camp Cornette look good, which it may very well have been. I'm, you know, so it's like, well, we don't have any loyalty to him. Why should we jump in and help? So I don't know where the play was, excuse me, where the play was that, you know, they wouldn't run in and at least attempt to interfere and have... Vader and Bulldog, you know, hold them back or, you know, intervene to keep them from letting, you know, letting them interfere or what have you. I don't know. I just. How, how it, did was, it was a squash match. That's how it that's how it felt. It was a freaking squash mm-hmm. match. That's what right. it was. And it caught me. I don't know why, but I have this note. It caught me funny that they were trying so hard to be relevant that Cornette throws in this line about, I believe, Vader being the real human eraser. And I was like, what? And then it kind of hit me. That was when Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis came out with the movie Eraser, which I absolutely love. And Mm. so I was like, man. And I'll be honest with you, the only person on the opposing team from Camp Cornette that really looked really good to me was Savio Vega. I was Hmm. super, and and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he eventually become the godfather? No, that's right. No? No. Okay, okay. He's a big, he's a a big deal. Yeah. He's a big deal in wrestling, though. Yeah, I knew he was. I knew he was. But like, angles and the way he looked at at that time, it looked like, it. he he almost looked like godfather. If I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think Savio Vega was with um so he was part of that that click backstage with The Undertaker and Rikishi yeah. and Yokozuna and the and the Godfather. They were all part of a ah, backstage okay. click called the Bone Street Crew. Yeah. Um and uh they 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 weren't really like the click like Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash right. and uh, they 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 were more like like Friendly drinking buddies. <laughs> yeah, much. Makes sense. Yeah. But Savio was amazing. I, I thought yeah. he w- he actually stood out more to me in the match than even Camp Cornette and Jim Cornette running his mouth. You know, <laughs> which he's always great at. You know, mm-hmm. nobody believes their own hype more than Jim Cornette. Let's be honest. D- did you? Ooh, we got Ooh. that thunder. Sorry, we mentioned the Undertaker, and it brought <laughs> it brought the thunder. If the uh, lights well, we, go out, then I'll get concerned. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have more Undertaker chat here in just a moment. I, I can promise you that. Mm. Um, 
Ori, I'll, I'll, I'll get to Mags here in just a second, but I want to know quickly your thoughts here on how Vader, Hart, and Smith came across as a cohesive unit. Because again, we did not, we only saw the last little bit of them as a unit at, at the very end of King of the Ring '96. Um, w- even though this is a squash, a squash match, how did this come across to you? In some ways it was convincing and in some ways it wasn't. And okay. you know what I mean? Like Hart and Davy Boy, I can, you know, I know the history there and can see the connection. Hmm. Vader is obviously, you know, Cornette's recruited them all and brought them all in under his, well, not his umbrella, his tennis racket. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's legitimately brought in Vader to be the big monster bad guy of the crew, even though, I mean, British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, is a monster of a man in and of himself. Hmm. So it's like, it's the extra brawn to back up the brawn, you know? And so in, in, I think in some ways it worked. It was okay. In some ways, I'm not completely convinced. They're they're united under a single tennis racket, and there's not a whole lot of cohesive loyalty. We'll put it that way. It, mm. To to me, to me. Hey, that that makes total sense to me. Um, Mags, I'll kick it over to you now. Uh, Owen Hart uh, finishing the match here with the sharpshooter, Brett Brett Hart's uh, younger brother. Uh, winning with that uh, very famous maneuver. Um, could could you maybe tell me? And I know I haven't given you any context or time to actually look this up. But where where was Bret Hart at this time? Um, because there there were several shouts. King was talking about um, Bret Hart. King was King was like, oh well, that's not really his move. I, I think that was the words that he used. Or no, no, he no, invented I, that. Yeah, King said. Owen Hart invented the sharpshooter. Uh, no, um, I think it was Cornette. Oh, was it Cornette that it said Cornette it? It was Cornette that said it. He invented that move. He made uh-huh. that move. I, uh-huh. Something is dinging in my head that it was Cornette because I think I remember them flashing over to him. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm just like trying to get historical context because again, this time is a little bit fuzzy for me. I do remember a lot of it, but contextually. Um, it is rather uh, interesting that we're seeing more of Owen here than we are of, of Brett. Um, I think that there was a period of time where maybe he took a year off. Maybe this is the same one. I, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, so um, in the build-up to King of the Ring, uh, we'd had WrestleMania, and that's where Brett had lost the title to Shawn Michaels uh, in the uh, in the Iron Man match that uh, was... Uh, that went uh, nil-nil, and then it had to have the the overtime. Um, and Brett uh, took a little bit of time off. Uh, I think he ends up re-signing a new deal in around October, so we'll see him come back then, uh, building up to uh, the the SummerSlam. But, yeah, pretty much he was taking a hiatus because he'd, uh, he'd lost the towel, and they were in discussions for him to sign a new contract. Mm. Um, what, what's the, what's the feeling like seeing, I guess, more of, more of Owen here, I guess Owen's in a more prominent spot here, Mm -hmm. um, obviously than, than maybe what he would have had otherwise with Brett. 
um, which to me always came across. And maybe this is just my weird thinking, but it always came across as though when when Brett was around, Owen always felt a little bit diminished because of like the whole like, oh, Owen's the younger brother. And, you know, they had their own feud and everything here. <laughs> um, h- how is Owen coming across to you here, Mags? Because I'm really actually enjoying more of more of this Owen Hart um, from between last week's episode and, and this week's episode. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think Owen uh, has got way more charisma than, than his older brother. Um, and he, I think he plays a better heel. Um, and he's, he's very much that kind of like smarmy, underhanded. And also in, in terms of that, that kind of chicken shit heel, he's, he's really good at, uh, at, at getting that kind of that heat from, from a crowd and... Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel that he's just so good at playing that heel role, something that Brett, um, I don't think was as good at because Brett, as as much of a, a, a an amazingly technical wrestler he was, he did kind of uh, he did kind of believe his own hype a lot. Uh, he mm-hmm. felt that maybe perhaps wrestling was was real to him almost, uh, and, and there's a and there's a. Uh, the, if you remember the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, uh, he, he kind of says that um, he didn't want to diminish his character in a lot of uh, the ways that WWF wanted to book him uh, because he believed mm. in his own heart. Uh, whereas Owen, I feel, was just a better character wrestler. And, and in, in ring, he was no slouch at all. He was, uh, it's, whilst he was maybe not as technically gifted as as uh, as as Brett, he was certainly uh, able to hold his own with pretty much anyone in in the in the in the company, and it, it just makes you think: if he didn't uh, tragically lose his life, what could he have, have achieved in that company? Um, mm. He could have easily been multi-time world champion, and he would have looked legitimate in that role. Because let's 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 not forget at WrestleMania ten, he beat his own brother. And the, his brother then went on to win the title at the at the end of the the show. So uh, he was definitely had the wrestling chops. And and like I said, with Brett kind of out of the picture, it, it was perhaps his time to shine. And yeah, I do agree with you that when Brett comes back, he becomes the focal point, and it, it does mean that uh, Owen kind of has to like, uh, go back into the shadows almost. And I bet that was hard for him um, personally to to always be that that kind of like second man almost um mm. but yeah I, I really really enjoyed uh owen uh, i felt that maybe if they'd have shaved a little bit more off the uh the first match they could have added it to this one and we could have seen more of that uh that owen character uh playoff because this was essentially uh bulldog and vader beating up some people and then owen coming in for the smarmy um uh sharpshooter finish but how can we go past this match and not talk about the jock strap that Aldo Montoya wore. <laughs> um, well, now, go on then. For a I mean, bit of, are you talking about on his face, on his head? The, yeah, the you, you can't, strap, oh, yes. yeah. You can't so, just drop that bombshell without yeah. the... So for <laughs> context, uh, for people who don't know, um, Aldo Montoya uh, ends up being just incredible uh, from, from ECW and, uh, and then WECW uh, later on. But uh, this gimmick was meant to be, and Tanner, we we cover football on a uh, on Radio Techers. He was meant to be a Portuguese footballer. Now, 
how many matches would you say we've covered on Techers? Maybe 30 matches or so uh, over the time. Have you ever seen anybody wear a jockstrap on their head whilst playing uh, playing football? No, it just doesn't make a lick of sense. I don't know. What Maybe brings... twice. Yeah, well, yeah when, whenever Petacek's playing, I suppose. I have only seen foot football. Mm. In changing channels, and even mm-hmm. I have never seen that. It's yeah, very I, rare. I, I don't know. <laughs> I would have seen so. football before. I don't know what channel. I mean, maybe he's on ESPN the Ocho. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was very weird. But he he ended up uh, tapping, um, and I don't know how it is on Peacock, obviously, because you've switched over from the the network to Peacock now mm. over at your side of the pond. But here in the UK, uh, for this match, they they had the Savio Vega teams up with Aldo Montoya and the Brooklyn Brawler. Um, but yeah, this was poor. What what a way to disrespect the name of Barry Horowitz! How dare they not mention that it's Barry Horowitz and and the and and not the Brooklyn Brawler? Yeah, disgusting. What? <laughs> yeah, it really, really does. That that's what it says on like. On is the, it in the on captions? The ma- on the match description, I'll. Uh, it says, uh, newly ki- uh, crowned King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Undertaker, Savio Vega teams up with Aldo Montoya and the Brooklyn Brawlers to take on three of Jim Cornette's finest. Plus, Ahmed Johnson battles Hunter Holmes Helmsley, Brian Pullman uh, continues to cause controversy, and much, much more. Well, not really much, much more. That's pretty much everything that happened on the show. <laughs> See, I'm looking this up because now I'm concerned. Now I'm at- I have questions. I have questions. Load you. Oh, app won't load figures. I'll get it in a minute because now I'm curious. Mm. Oh, I, I will eagerly await your questions here. Um, as we draw here uh, to our main event, uh, we, we actually get Brian Pillman come down to the ring and uh, he, he threatens Vince McMahon saying that he hasn't gotten paid in the week that he's been in WWE. This is um, brilliant. It's 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 really great stuff. <laughs> it really um, was, and and to me, it was like foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Indeed, um, you can tell that Pillman is uh, uh, playing a very manic type type character here, yeah. um, and uh, very fitting considering that uh, the new uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, series is about to kick off here, um, as of the time of this recording, at least. You guys are going to be listening to this in the future. Uh, so you, you've probably already seen the episode by the time that this one, uh, uh, that, that you're listening to this. Um, yeah, cool deal. Brian Pillman's out there. Um, yeah. we get, I mean, uh, what, what, what actually was, uh, the best thing about this promo for me was how uncomfortable Brian made Vince feel. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. You can you can tell that Brian is not the guy that reads off a script. He uh, goes mm. out and he basically says whatever comes off the top of the head. But you could see Vince almost cringing. That like, is he going to reveal that I'm the owner? Because we hadn't we didn't really know of Vince McMahon the owner. We knew of mm. Vince McMahon the commentator. Mm. Uh, it's not until later on when we get the whole kind of like Stone Cold and and the the um, the um, the screw job and and the the promo where Vince says we uh we 
sick of that uh, insulting fans intelligence as of now we still know Vince as just the, the lead commentator so mm. you can see Vince like panicking that that Brian's gonna that he's gonna call me the boss or he's gonna say Vince you write me my checkout and stuff like that and so yeah it was cool to see Vince put in that in that position where he was absolutely flapping over what what Brian could potentially say Oh, it was great. And the the manic look in, in Pillman's eyes, like, I'm enjoying this so much. I'm <laughs> and then savoring he asked for it. cash as well. That was the best thing. He went, where's my cash? Like, he doesn't get yeah. paid by check or bank transfer. He wants it in notes. <laughs> and, and poor McMahon, I kind of felt bad for him a little bit because he's like, well, you know, you kind of got to get in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and Pillman's like, where's my money? And just so you know, on Peacock, all it says for a description is Ahmed Johnson versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That's it. There's no full description, anything like that. And like even the one for next week, it's just got one match, and more than likely that's the opening match or the headliner match, and that's it. So, and that seems to be par for the course. For like just scrolling through the the episodes coming up, that's that's pretty much it. Just gives you the the one big match, right? Okay. Right, and then there's huh. one for like August sixteenth of ninety six. The superstars of the WWE, which of course it wasn't at that time, but anyway, square off in the ring and behind the scenes, like so that's the, it. The most generic, uh, yeah, like description they could come up with. Exactly. Wow. Well, then, I don't know what to make of that. That is a uh, very strange. I will you... say, pre the Pillman interaction, they did pan to Austin with that busted mm-hmm. and stitched up lip and that sneer on his face, and that was just a really good shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and again, uh, like, like we mentioned uh, last week, uh, hinting at the the link between Austin and Pillman without mentioning the fact that they had history. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the other thing too is uh, they they had Stone Cold there juxtaposition with Pillman who was just so again, I'll use the word manic looking. Mm-hmm. You know, he he looked irate. Um whereas Austin was he was kind of just leaning against the turnbuckle. I mean, he looked pretty smug. He looked he looked pretty intense. Smarmy. If you were the king of that ring, you'd look smug. Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, yes. Uh, But 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 there was a cool contrast between how Austin his the vibe that Austin gave off as opposed to Pillman. And we did see that small little interaction between the two at King of the Ring. Maybe some future foreshadowing. I love foreshadowing. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, It makes me happy. Uh, we are at our main event, The Undertaker uh, taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, this was a decent enough main event, I guess. One with uh, two big names that uh, would leave the the uh, crowd going home happy uh, to see these two men have a match. Um, we did get a little bit of a gold dust interference here, um, which uh, ended up being a victory in favor of The Undertaker. Um, he didn't really help Stone Cold. He just Cold Dust had his own agenda, it seems. Um, <laughs> uh, this this match was fine. This match this match was it was fine. 
it was fine. Mags, <laughs> maybe you have more to say about this match than I did. I thought it was just fine. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, really. Uh, it was actually an interesting match for for Stone Cold to have coming off his victory from uh, the King of the Ring, uh, going up against someone with the the legacy uh, of Undertaker, who, uh, who had just had a loss to Mankind. You were kind of like, which way are they going to go with this? Are they going to have Undertaker lose two matches in a row? And this was a, this was way before he had this kind of like aura of, of being bulletproof almost. Um, could that have really kind of affected his momentum? Or do you have Austin uh, lose, which kind of like nullifies the fact that he's just one king of the ring? Um but obviously, we get the the Goldust uh, interference, which uh, adds to the the, the coming up storyline between uh, uh, Undertaker and Goldust. Uh, Austin still looks strong afterwards. Um, yeah, but uh, it was a very kind of slow match between these two guys. Uh, something obviously we'll see going further and further uh, down the course of this this uh, this journey. Uh, they have way better matches, more exciting, intense matches than this. Um, I think this was just more of Austin still growing into his Stone Cold character, still kind of like learning uh, the nuances of, of what Stone Cold was to become. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a, a, a very fine main event. Quite short. What did it go? About 10 minutes maybe. Uh, mm. And then... Um, yeah, pretty much ends the ends the, the raw on a DQ with uh, a yeah. with Undertaker having a, a face full of gold dust from gold dust and uh, it all over Austin's back, which was a a, a cool visual for someone who's like in in terms of ring gear, very bland with black boots, black black um, um, uh, spandex, and and then. Gold, gold uh, dust all over his back. Uh, but yeah, it was a a cool way to end the show. Gets you hyped up for for what's coming up between Undertaker and Gold Dust, and then we get the the little promo at the end with Shawn Michaels battling his former partner Marty Jannetty. <laughs> yes, we we did get the uh, the Shawn Michaels Marty Jannetty, and this would not be the first nor the last time that we would see Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels paired up. Uh, on a raw match. Um, <laughs> uh, Ori, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, your thoughts on the match and, and, and even more so your thoughts on, on gold dust's very peculiar, uh, I guess, stalking of the undertaker. Cause I mean, he didn't really like, didn't do a whole lot offensively to the undertaker. It seems. No, but I mean, I get where they're coming from with it. It's shades of, Things that we've seen in Japan with, you know, the powder, things we saw, we see later with um, the green mist from, oh God, I can see his face. Thank you, Tajiri. You know, or even Muda, yeah, you know, things of that nature. He just hit him with a glitter bomb and was like, poof, you've been glittered, goodbye. You know, and I think there was more stalking by the king on Paul Bearer than there was on gold than there was gold dust and taker. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, get, hopping up from the commentating table mid match to chase him down with a microphone. You know, like, yeah. and Paul's just refusing to talk to him, just keeps turning, and he's 
you're you're ashen and in blah 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 and throwing insults at him trying to get some type of reaction and whatnot and you know i, I don't know it, it was a decent match I, i'll give it that mm. it left both both competitors looking strong going into their next thing but it, it's it's funny that you mention um austin with the glitter on his back and everything because mm. it, it Threw back to something that I caught in differences then and now um, from King of the Ring last week because they had Goldust make it make his entrance and there was gold glitter everywhere that came down and they didn't even try to clean that up at any given point. There was giant gold discs on everybody mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the show and I think <laughs> oddly enough, like I appreciate that they clean that shit up between matches. Nowadays, like it, because yeah. for me, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little ADHD. Just I really want to, like, hang on, time out, let me get this off. This is super freaking distracting. <laughs> oh my god, you oh, know, for like sure. for the end of the show, seeing the mask of gold on Undertaker's face was a really mm-hmm. cool visual in and of itself. But for King of the Ring to go throughout the rest of the show and see Shawn Michaels and Davey Boy Smith covered in giant gold glitter discs from shit that happened like 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, mm-hmm. was really distracting. So, I don't know. It was just a weird thing that kind of st- it, it stuck in my head. But it overall, was- it was a good match. It was also really interesting seeing a really shiny Undertaker. Yeah, I thought that was just a uh, that was just odd. Uh, <laughs> let's that, uh, let's. That's probably the only time in his life he shimmered like that, even with his current <laughs> wife. You know, like I, I just don't Undertaker doesn't strike me as the type of guy who'd be like, yeah, just a little glitter, just a that's little. Right. Like that's the right. shiniest he gets is from his baby oil. That's it. Hmm. There you go, like a like a Twilight character in the sun. Um, (laughs) still a better love story than twilight (laughs) well there you go um uh we'll we'll close out the show review with uh one more monday night highlight here uh this will be again notable part of this particular segment of the show mags i'll start with you what is your monday night highlight uh for this particular closing segment uh, for me, it's the 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 throwing of the gold dust. I, I like the way that um, gold dust has these little kind of nuances to his character. Obviously, playing off the the gold uh, with the, having the gold title, and then obviously throwing instead of just normal kind of chalk dust, he throws gold dust into Undertaker's face, and that visual of a of a stone cold with a, a gold strap down his back is really cool. So yeah, I think it's the the throwing of the gold dust for me. There you go. Uh, Ori, your Monday night highlight for this segment. So mine actually was a commercial segment prior to the match. Oddly enough. Is it the, um, the ultimate warrior one? Yes. Oh, it was okay. Oh, it, just it, me. Or did that gentleman look like Chris masters? Yes. He Ever so slightly. Bit. He looked like bit. he could be Chris Masters, like older brother or something. And it just, I don't know why it struck me and stood out so much, but it, it, it did. Hmm. It, it was really, really weird. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I thought it was hilarious how they kind of like 
push for um, disabled people can do anything, which is absolutely true. But then a few years down the line, they have a wrestler called Zach Gowan who they push down a, a flight of stairs in a wheelchair uh, and, and basically cripple him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a little bit of a dichotomy there with the, the WWF. <laughs> And not disagree. I liked Zach Gowan. I thought he was a phenomenal wrestler. You yeah, know, but yeah, that the, the, there's there's a lot of irony in all of that. Yes, yes. I I'm gonna go with for my Monday night highlight. I'm not sure if you guys noticed this one here, but this was there was also another commercial segment uh, for something that they were calling the Attitude Adjustment Tour, mm-hmm. um, which I was like, huh. That's interesting. And then uh, I was waiting and waiting, uh, but no no John Cena. He, he could not be seen in this. <laughs> Maybe he was there and Maybe. you just never noticed it. Yeah, yeah perhaps so. It, it could have been his head being electrocuted by the, the ropes. It could have been. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe he was powering the electrocution and that's why you couldn't see him. I thought it, it stood out to me and was funny to me because, like, isn't that one of the names that we workshopped for this yep. podcast? You know, that's why it caught me. Kind it's of almost funny. like we planned it. Mm. Really weird. Uh, well, that that just about covers Raw. No, nothing else happened after this. Um, it's only only an hour long, less than an hour long, so you could you could really watch this episode and. Uh, you don't just like get some chores done while you're at home. I don't know. Get done with it and not be completely bored out of your skull. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe that first match. Maybe. Maybe. I, I caught myself drifting. I'm not even going to lie. There, there were moments in some of these matches that I caught myself, you know, checking my phone going, I ain't going to miss much. <laughs> and the sad thing is, is that, Watching Monday Night Raw, and I will say, I will disclaimer it, pre-pandemic, I felt myself doing the same thing. Fair enough. Uh, You have any final thoughts here for for this particular show, Ori? No. (laughs) I'm thought it out. I've thought all the things I can think. It's all of the notes that I have, I think. I'll, I'll even, I'm a note person. Because I forget things really, really easy. Yeah, I, I had to take notes on this one here as well because I wanted to make sure I got it as, as right as possible here. Uh, oh, the, the old ass slam of the week. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. permit. Th- I didn't think they had done it that far back. I thought it was a gimmick they had started with it, Snickers it, it, or something. It was a botch as well. Uh, the yeah, kind of like. Uh, flip powerbomb and uh, Martin lets him go. Yeah, so how is the slam of the week a botch? That's unreal. Um, I don't know. Mags, <laughs> your, your final thoughts of the show? Yeah, um, it was certainly a missable show. Um, the the only real reason to watch is to further the the, the storylines that are clearly going to be coming up in the in the next couple of pay per views. Uh, so uh, Ahmed Johnson looks strong as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, the storyline uh, got moved on with Cloudy and and Sunny. Um, Owen, David Boy, and, and uh, Vader look like monsters. And then obviously we got the 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 gold dust attacking the Undertaker for that storyline. So we, it, it essentially did what it needed to do in in terms of um, furthering storylines. But 
in as an entertainment show it was it was it was still stuck in the kind of like uh, that that uh, void between the uh, the kind of like a uh, new generation era and going into what would eventually become the attitude era so it was a uh, yeah it was, it's kind of like a lost episode almost mm. uh well yeah i i think that that covers everything um so uh we'll, we'll go on the round here uh hori where can people find more of your content you can find me on Twitter at Oriona75, O-R-I-O-N-A-7-5, or you can catch me on Twitch every Monday and Friday evening at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time playing all kinds of games. Right now we're going through Monster Hunter World, and I'm trying not to throw a controller because it's driving me crazy. So, yeah, and that's going to be uh, – that, that handle's a little bit different, O-R-I-O-N-A-7. Mm-hmm. No five. Still working on that. Still trying to figure it out. I don't think anybody has it claimed, so I'm going to keep trying every day to change it until we can finally get it. You definitely should. So make sure to check out Ori hunting some monsters. Yes. And what about you, uh, Mags? Okay, so you can find me on the only social media I do, uh, Twitter, at DJ Kurtbeck, but you can also hear my voice on every other podcast that you've ever listened to uh, because I am a podcast whore. <laughs> well, there you he's, go. He's everywhere. <laughs> uh, well, you, you can find me uh, once again on Twitter at Texas Gentleman underscore, uh, where uh, I, I sometimes tweet from that account. It's fine. Uh, you can just follow me there and I'll follow you back. It'd be like, it'd be like a free follow on Twitter that you can get just by, just by sending me a follow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can also catch Mags and I on radio techers every, mostly every weekend along with our good buddy, Matt. Uh, we talk about some proper football, uh, some premier league football, <laughs> the season's winding down. So now is the time to get in right before we start our coverage of uh, the euros. Uh, <laughs> so, so that'll be a lot of fun this summer. Um, so yeah, Radio Techers, R-A-D-I-O-T-E-K-K-E-R-S, if you want to follow that show as well. Um, other than that, that's it for today's show, everybody. I hope you guys have had fun. I know we've had a lot of fun sitting here and chatting about uh, this episode of Raw. And uh, of course, you're listening to this on the Chairshot Radio Network, so make sure to uh, continue listening, continue subscribing, and of course, always use your head. Chairshot.com. Always use your head.